and this is for everybody, is, is data mindfulness and say, hey, this data to you and in in what you're doing today doesn't seem like it matters, but it aggregated by everybody throughout the firm and then accessed at a later date is extremely valuable. And right now, there's, an there's such a great chance for, for the firms who take that seriously to, to really pull away from the rest of the crowd. Welcome to episode four of The Pursuit Desk, our adventures in business development, marketing, and sales enabling technology. My name is Jason Noble, and I'm your host. On today's episode, we have Conan Hines, who is a senior legal advisor with Clifford Chance. Conan actually has quite an interesting background, having actually been a practicing attorney right out of law school, but having since morphed into this um, kind of legal specific technology specialist. So I wanted to thank Conan for joining today um, and start off by asking, how is life in a safer at home world for you? Hey, Jason, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. You know, actually, I'm, I'm, it's a little bittersweet. I have to say I'm, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I, I no longer live in the city. So I have a little bit of yard space, family's healthy, everything going on. I, I'm, you know, even from the start, I, I haven't complained one bit. And I think it's also shown what's possible. I don't know if people thought we'd be, we'd be as well off as we were from a, from a business perspective and, and working remotely as we are with this kind of trial. So I think it's going to open up a lot of bright opportunities in the future. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what we noticed is some firms, they just kind of flipped the switch. And for the most part, they had kind of the, the remote workforce kind of enabled. Other firms, you know, they were struggling with getting like laptops and VPN and stuff. And so, you know, I was really, really happy with how, you know, we saw a lot of our clients actually move pretty quickly and kind of get productive, you know, at least within a, a two week time frame. Is that kind of what you observed too? Or was it, you know, was it a quicker transition for, for you? No, it, it was quick. I think it's a testament to the IT teams being ready and prepared. As someone who actually, I do sit in IT today, though I also work across some of our operations function. I think, you know, IT sometimes takes the short end of the stick, but I think you have to give a lot of, a lot of kudos to them for, for being prepared, making it seamless. We really didn't have a chance to test as we had planned the New York office because things accelerated so quickly. And yet, we, we really did go remote without a hiccup. That's awesome. Now, so you, you mentioned that you actually do sit kind of uh, in the, the IT organization. So in your role, are you kind of a, a liaison between technology and the, the, the business groups? That's pretty much spot on what I am. I, I look at it as a two-way street. I, I think, you know, when you look at IT and you, and you look at the legal sector, they're, they're two very different languages. Typically, they're they might not share the same personality traits, um, but both can be very technical in the way that they approach their work. And I think, you know, the reason why we're here having these type of podcasts and conversations now is because we all know it's no longer a question of whether and how we use technology. It's just you, you have to do it to stay competitive. And, and who else are you going to lean on now as a, as a modern lawyer, but your IT department? So, so yeah, I bring... I, I try to educate lawyers on what's possible, how IT works, and it's not just flipping a switch and we have a new product and it's going right. to save your life. At the same time, I, I bring a lot of that knowledge back to the IT teams as we try to elevate 
their skills and get them prepared to be more consultative in their day-to-day work. Yeah, it's interesting. So now I know your background is actually pretty interesting. So I always, you know, I'm always fascinated by how someone goes from kind of a practicing attorney to being more focused on any given role, you know, in your role, it's more of an innovation kind of legal specific role, whether it's, you see a lot of folks moving from practicing to knowledge management or from practicing to business development. So what was your journey like? Like, what was it that, that kind of made you look at technology and say, Hey, that's something that I want to, I want to focus in on. (laughs) I'd, I'd love to say I had this grand plan 10 years ago when I officially switched my career path and, and said, uh, you know, technology is the wave of the future and, um, and that I had some sort of computer science background. Uh, neither of those are, are true. I can say that I did, I did the work where technology is most ripe to consume. So due diligence reviews and a lot of document review any discovery and I think pre-financial crisis we saw you know everybody was doing well there was a lot of work clients were paying their bills uh, law firms were charging top rates everybody was kind of happy and just the the economy was was doing well and then the financial crisis hit and and things changed and it's not that we haven't seen depressions before but this one is a little different. And actually, I've looked at some of the numbers that as far as how the legal industries recovered from past recessions, they, they, they would bounce back in revenue growth. And, and now, and, and stuff has been written on this, you know, for the last several years, but the, the growth is no longer at the same levels it was before. So, you know, I think it, it was that, you know, raising your rates and bouncing back was no longer the case. And anyway, I didn't know that was going to be the, the wave of the future. I'm, I'm not a soothsayer, mm-hmm. but I did see that the way we were delivering work to clients was not efficient. And then once the, the crisis hit, the clients really shook up the way that they staffed their legal department. And it took a while, but I think we're at the point now where where it's it's actually changing the ball game. So I I guess I would say that I, I saw a chance to to be part of the change and ride the wave. Didn't even really start as technology. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit, but it was just going in and becoming more of a business-minded professional and as part of the, the legal services delivery model. So when you said, um, you know, you started to see that there was a kind of a different engagement model that the clients were asking of firms. What were some of those, those differences? I mean, are are you talking in terms of like alternative fee arrangements? Um, Like what are some of the things that you saw kind of change in the client engagement specifically with that, the financial crisis? I think some things that happened, there are a couple of things. One client started to partner with their own alternative legal service providers, if you will, whether they were technology vendors on the discovery side or an outsourcing type outfit, like an LPO. No longer were they, were clients going directly to the law firm to furnish all of those resources anymore. It was in their better interest to 
have those independent relationships. So you see that more in the banking industry and large corporates now. Yeah, I, I think also the legal department has banded the skill sets no longer is it just staffed by lawyers and paralegals? We're seeing all different types of business professionals. I'll, I'll consider myself a response to that on the Clipper Chance side. So we can meet with those, with those team members on the client side and, and speak the same language and, and really start to push and, and support the lawyers in, in a new way of working that, that really works for both sides. So you actually get to, uh, in your role, you actually engage with, uh, with clients in certain scenarios? Yeah, I'm seeing it more and more. It comes in all different flavors. Some clients are interested in the most advanced tech. They want to know about the latest AI solutions. Some of them just want a better way to share knowledge and be able to access that knowledge uh, at their fingertips that they previously paid for. But, you know, I think, you know, with all the clients, demands and, and pressures coming out, I think we still need to see more on the client side in order to really implement these, these new tools because we really can't do it on our own. And a lot of times it's not just us and the client, there are other parties involved that really need to buy in to the innovation to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so when you were bringing up kind of the, you know, how, how clients are kind of modernizing their own interna, internal um, legal operations. Have you either, you know, looked at what Clock is doing or are you familiar with that, with that organization at all? Absolutely. Planning on being there last month, but that, that didn't happen. And yeah, I've been following Clock since the inception and seeing how it's grown. And I think what Clock has done well recently is, is starting to open up to their law firm partners be part of it. I think, uh, and I don't, I don't think this was a clock thing, but I think post-financial crisis, I experienced situations where, you know, I think the, the clients were looking for us to do, do everything. It was almost, it wasn't really a partnership. It was, it was, let's see how we can organize together and, you know, really come hard at the law firms. And, and now I think I've been seeing the last couple of years, a lot more partnerships and I think that's driving a lot more success. We're able to hear the voice of the client and we can deliver to that and not really kind of wait around or try to think we know what the client wants. Mm. So I really see the future bright and, and Clock has done a lot to drive that change. I, I remember Clock had something where it was like a rating system almost for like individual attorneys and for firms and particular practice areas. So did you see some of those types of kind of review type things come up or is it something else that you're kind of referring to? I, I've heard of things like that. You know, I haven't, I haven't been privy to those. I'm not in on every conversation, especially on some of the, the client relationships side. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, is from my perspective, I hear like even jumping into the latest AI technologies, and I think it's great to educate and create that awareness. We're not using the basic technologies right. uh, to the full extent. So, and it should be a balance. We should always be looking at what the possible is. But I think right now there, there are tools that have been in place for a long time that could be utilized but again it's not we're no longer it's no longer a technology problem today as maybe it was five ten years ago now now we have the tools the technology is outpacing the ability to adopt them so i think we need to step back and stop you know looking at those and, and look at what is the partnership like okay you know what 
how do the how does the communication get driven from the client? How does the advice come back driven from the from the law firm? How does that communication take place and questions and answers? And I'll tell you what, the email is not the best way to do that, believe it or not, Jason. Uh, so it's like, let's stop thinking about technology and let's come to the table and let's pick something that we can improve for the betterment of both the vendor and the client. Yeah, actually, we've, we've actually seen, and surprisingly so today, actually, there was a um, an announcement that what was it? It was like United Lex or something like that actually bought part of Paul Hastings. Like I didn't read the article in detail, but it was more or less like they bought a portion of their technology organization. And we've actually seen other firms where they're, they're starting to actually kind of become their own technology providers for their clients. Right. So one of their, the things that they're trying to do is differentiate on their ability to support their clients needs by providing technology solutions, things as simple as, you know, portals for managing all of the leases for their clients. Right. So the firm itself is providing the technology that is um, increasing productivity, increasing efficiencies. Is that a, a trend that, that you're seeing as well? Yes, that's, that's a good question. I, think, I did see the Paul Hastings article. I believe it was a data, data analytics function for team. Yeah, that got, exactly. That got bought out, right? And I can't say I've read the whole article yet because I think it just came out today. Yeah, I do see that. I, I don't know if that's a new thing. I think it's been years where you know we've had extranet built on I remember some SharePoint 2010 sites that we had opened up and had with clients. I mean, the tech, again, is better. There's way more you can do. And I, I also think, you know, there's not a lot of great options for document management systems. And I think the expense for a legal department is, is a lot to bring in an iManage or a NetDocument. So they don't really have the right tools to, to keep everything organized. And then for those deep client relationships, we absolutely set up document management solutions. And that has, again, that's helped the client. They're, they're, they've been excited about that. It also helps us from not having to chase that document that we drafted two years ago for them. Everything's at their fingertips. And, and when they ask us of something, we're providing some new type of value. So over the last, you know, five years or so, what are some of the things that you've been most passionate about, you know, whether it was a specific type of technology, um, a specific business problem that you were, you were trying to solve, you know, what are some of the trends or, or some of the areas of technology that you've really been passionate about? Well, in, in five, last five years, I think the biggest thing has, has been data analytics. It, it just, and this is almost cliche now in, in the, in the legal innovation space, but uh, we don't use our data as firms well, and we don't have data processes, right? We don't have good structure for capturing data in order to provide business insights that drive strategy, mm -hmm. right? Telling us how do we align our resources to act on this, whether, because you, you can derive so many actions out of the data that we carry. And what one example would be, like a simple example is every law firm performs intake, right? You need to clear the matter in order to get your matter number and start billing. And there's information you need to provide. There's information about the matter. 
But what we don't do, because there's, you know, <laughs> there's no carrot anymore. You've had the matter number. You're able to bill your time. But we don't close out matters right. well at all in this industry. And I know that that's somewhere where, where you and Icon come in too. But, yep. you know, just really where's that close out? You know, what happened in that matter? I mean, there's a whole life cycle. And I feel in the legal industry, that cycle is broken. We, we finish matters and we move on to the next one. We, we never close it out and then leverage that information for business development purposes, for training purposes, professional development and pricing, right? But yeah, I, I think we need to be better with data. So that's, that's what I've been passionate about for a long time. I think in, in recent times, uh, right now, I'm really excited about document automation, Clifford Chance, you know, I can see in, in other areas of the, the network where we're doing a lot of it in the U.S. I, I can see us doing more and we're certainly starting to see some of those opportunities. So it's just, it just seems so, so obvious to me now with the tools available and the need, I think, to start to think differently about our support resources and seeing what else they can do as technology starts to take over some of those job tasks that they formerly had to perform. Yeah. Um, so going back kind of to that, that, you know, data and analytics and kind of the, for lack of a better term, the, the life cycle of data, you know, one of the things that we, we focus in on is, you know, the challenge with experience, with credentials, with being able to use that information within the context of business development is not so much the, the, the finding is hard. You know, the search is definitely hard, you know, and our technology very much focuses on allowing people to discover that, but also there's this, you know, you mentioned new business intake. And so we, we spin up uh, a new matter. We get our client matter number. We start billing, we start actually executing on that matter. But you know, the, the time frame between when a matter is opened and when a matter is, is ultimately closed, there's a lot of happening in between those, those two time frames. And so one of the things that, you know, we've, we've discovered is that again, the, the, the discovery of the information hard, but the challenge, the, the fundamental challenge is how do you extract that experience information from the the attorneys so that it becomes an asset that can be reused as you mentioned either during business development during cross training during uh, personal development so how do we actually capture that experience and so that's really what we we focus in on you know by tapping into the the new business intake but then also allowing business development to kind of set up rules as to when they want to be notified when a matter eclipses a certain threshold that they want to be notified like, Hey, you know, we've been working on this thing for 500 hours or 600 hours or what have you. Why don't you go ahead and go out and start investigating and, and, you know, doing the research to understand what it is that, that was significant about that particular matter. Right. And so it's, like I said, very much finding that information is important, but also understanding that experience has a life cycle hooking into that life cycle and then notifying the people who do the research that, Hey, this is something of significance. Why don't you go ahead and start the process? You know, that's really something that we focus in on in your kind of experience, you know, working with these either credential databases or experience databases. What have you seen? Has it been mostly a, a manual process? Is it ad hoc, meaning a, a proposal or a pitch is, is being asked to be created and then they kind of send out a bunch of emails and say, Hey, tell me what you've done. Like what, what have you seen? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I get involved in the pitch process sometime to support the BB teams. I think sometimes that does happen in general, that things are cobbled together. I think a lot of it probably depends on the situation, but, but I can say in general, yes, our BD teams are, are hungry for better tools to help them access and consolidate that information in the right way for those different pitch opportunities. Uh, you know, Jason, I, I think of it kind of like, I don't know the right analogy. It's, it's like you're, you're driving, like when I drive to, to see my parents in Ohio, if you drive through Pittsburgh, you go through some tunnels and it's saying, okay, you're going to drive to Ohio, but at the tunnels, we're going to block the tunnels and you're now going to have to somehow get your car around the mountain and get back <laughs> on the interstate. And then that's like, you know, we don't incentivize our, our lawyers. So we're, so we're putting to do this stuff, right? We, we incentivize them to bill. So when you put people like me in these positions, the clear answer through the tunnel is let's start incentivizing behavior and people will do it. You know, I don't think people, I think lawyers get such a bad rap that, oh, they're, they're technophobic or they don't like data. They're not business minded. I mean, that's complete baloney. They, yeah. they completely are. They, they just, if you incentivize behavior a certain way and a culture is built up, it doesn't matter even what you think as a junior associate and you're really not in a position to challenge the status quo. And then, you know, the more senior lawyers is like, well, that's kind of how we've done it. And, you know, I've gotten through that way to this point. And I think if you talk to a lot of them individually, nothing you say doesn't make sense. But to actually institute that, you're, you're, we're actually spending a lot of money and taking a lot of time to really just get around the simple question of say, and, you know, some firms have done it. One of the leaders of it, I remember, was Reed Smith a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, we're going to throw you some hours to do this. And I know some, a lot of it's around innovation. To me, you know, it, there's probably some different flavors that you could do, do more business development, do more technology. But one of those is, is and this is for everybody, is, is data mindfulness. And say, hey, this data to you and in in what you're doing today doesn't seem like it matters but it aggregated by everybody throughout the firm and then access to the later date is extremely valuable. And right now there's, an opportunity, there's such a great chance for, for the firms who take that seriously to, to really pull away from the rest of the crowd. Yeah. Got, kind of getting the, the data house in order, so to speak, right? Really figuring out, well, what are the valuable pieces of information? What information is naturally collected through you know, kind of these digital footprints, meaning if I go into our financial system, if I go and input some, you know, some time notes, there's some information there, but what are the, what are the gaps that, that people actually do need to be um, involved in? You know, it, it is an interesting challenge because from what I've seen is, you know, the attorneys, as you mentioned, it's not that they don't, they don't have these skills. It's that they're very rightly so client focused, right? They are trying to create great client experiences. And so, you know, when forced of the, with the question of, Hey, am I going to, you know, spend this 15, 20 minutes on business development, or am I going to spend this 15 or 20 minutes ensuring my client is successful? Usually they kind of fall back. They, they go with the right choice, which is making my client successful. And so whatever Mm -hmm. we can do to empower those other folks that could, you know, imagine if um, instead of the attorney spending those 15 to 20 minutes doing business development, there's somebody else 
in the business development department that's empowered and has the knowledge and the information, access to the information to do that work on their behalf, you know, that's kind of where we want to get to distribute those, those business development activities to other folks, ensure that they have access to the right information, but that they don't become a burden on the, the attorneys themselves, except in very, you know, specific examples like or specific scenarios where there's extreme detail that needs to be provided in a pitch but if it's generic information we should be able to to rinse and repeat on on a lot of those activities yeah i look i i'm the one thing is i think what we're we're saying here is the, the lawyers we need their their feedback right we need to give them a system that's very easy for them to input that qualitative data that supports all the quantitative data that hopefully we don't really have to ask them for. And then maybe using some new AI techniques can even gather some more information about deals. But ultimately, you still need a lawyer to help you inform how that deal went, give some context, make that easy for them. You know, technology can be great at delivering that, but you still need a process around it. And then you're right, Jason, once, once that part is done, you know, you've now reduce the amount of back and forth and customization that you need to do. And of, and of course, you do need to do some customization at a time. You can't, depending on the opportunity, you don't want to be too generic. You know, if you really want to win the work, how are you going to stand out? But at the end of the day, there's a certain, there's a certain information that, you know, just pulling the right talent together, getting their bios together and, and getting some specific deals that are relevant to the, to the RFP that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a lot of conversation with attorneys around that. We should have we should have that at our fingertips. Yeah, there should be no emails that go out that say, "Hey, who has experience in X Y Z? I'm doing a pitch." You know, like that. Yeah, that should be something that we should be able to answer through a you know a simple Google like search. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. So some other things I know you're um, really passionate about how. Um, technology can impact really everyone's access to justice. So, you know, over the next, you know, one to three, three to five years, you know, what would you like to see or how would you like to see big law leverage technology to kind of provide, you know, access to um, to justice more broadly, right? So that it's not just limited to a certain subset of individuals. What, what do you see happening or what would you like to see happen? Yeah, so we'll just first, I'm, I'm a volunteer for an organization called ICAD, International Center of Advocates Against Discrimination. It's really tailored about leveraging technology and data to expose and fight back against structural discrimination, whether it's in the law or judiciary norms within different regions. So I, I, I think back when I started law school, like a lot of people, right, I, I wanted to do something you know, that really impacted people's lives. And I, and I think from time to time, especially when, you get, when you're in big law, sometimes you, you lose your way a little bit on that. And maybe not lose your way. It's just, you know, you, you have other things. You're trying to become a better lawyer. You're trying to figure out, you know, your professional, where you fit in professionally. So I, I guess where, where I, see, I see it kind of as a pro bono aspect. Mm. I mean, we do pro bono. And, and if we assign a lawyer, let's say, to, to somebody seeking asylum, and okay so we're gonna that lawyer is gonna spend you know so many hours to help support that case and and when those things come out with a positive outcome it's it's amazing but if we if we think about 
you know, maybe the few dozen hours that were spent to help that one person. And, and sometimes that's going to be necessary. And, and some amount of hours will probably always be necessary. But at the end of the day, I mean, some of that is filling out the forms, the right forms that you need. And, and, and you know, the legalese that exists in, in our country is not always accessible by the common person, especially maybe those who don't speak English as a first language, but, but deserve to have access to that, to that justice. So I think along with the, the legal advisory that, that big law provides necessarily, we should also look at technology and how we can turn that into pro bono impact and, and that scale. And, and we're seeing this all the time. And I think the, the great thing we're doing uh, at Clifford Chance, we have a, an automation academy where we're, we're, we're uh, and we just kicked it off in the U.S. for the first time, where we're working with the summer associates on a no-code platform and just showing them what's possible, how to design think, being able to kind of create your own little apps. Is that like on Power Automate or something or? The company we're working with is called Joseph and they're out of Australia. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool, cool company. But, you know, we've all, we also work with tools like a Neodologic is probably the one that's, that's a little more prolific in the, especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And now you can, it, it's like, like my wife has her own business and, and she's been doing this for years. I mean, she has a pretty professional looking website. She uses Squarespace and she's not a technology progressive. Why can't we build legal apps that are modular, do not need a lot of real coding skill, but make a legal right accessible to someone who otherwise is either not going to be able to pursue that remedy or is going to have to maybe spend money that, that they don't have to do it. So I, I, look, there's a lot of ways today, especially in this time, that big law can play a positive role. I'd love to see more investment in, in, in the communities. And I think that's a great way to make huge impact without having to just put people on the ground and spending a lot of lawyer time. I, yeah. I mean, as you were speaking, it kind of like, it sounds like digital pro bono, you know, like what, what, yeah. what technology can we put into people's hands that ultimately is pro bono work, but it's, it's, it's technology, it's digital, right? It's not, it's not human-based hours, but it is access to technology that, that serves a particular, a particular purpose. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I, I appreciate your time. You have uh, plenty to do, especially um, with kids and such running around. So I appreciate you taking some time and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I'm jealous of the, the beach background in your window. I could see, I, I definitely don't. Don't have that. Uh, oh, it's a pool, man, with palm trees. Okay, yeah. turn that back away. I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, no, I. <laughs> I know, sincerely, I appreciate the time. It's, it's uh, great to talk with you and, and share some, some good conversation. Awesome, brother. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.